Can you stand to your feet and celebrate Pastor Taylor as he comes to speak? They hang here from the walls, dear, painting pictures, bleeding colors, blank at the windows. Sometimes it gets so hard to breathe. Keep it going. Keep it going. This is the this is the part. Oh, get, go to the end of the song. Go to the go to the next one. Keep going. Keep going. Right here. That was uh, what I used to do in high school. Does anyone know that band? Does anyone know it? Emery. Maple Valley's own. I haven't listened to them in a long time. I didn't expect to work out, and that was a workout right there. I've already worked out twice this week. I did 10 minutes of CrossFit with Ed, and I'm still sore. It's because I didn't stretch, though. It's not because I'm out of shape. <laughs> and I'm also out of shape. I'm not sore because I'm out of shape. I'm sore because I didn't stretch, and, and I'm out of shape, so... And then we played Ultimate Frisbee right after. So just to throw that out there. Um, you know, it's the last night of camp, and, and so I wanted to kind of acknowledge a few things. You know, how, how many of you, this is your first year at camp? Let's give it up for them. And if it's your first year at camp, then you don't know that usually every year we open up camp uh, with Pastor Steve sharing with us and opening up the camp. And we told him he wasn't allowed to this year because he's been on sabbatical. Um, but I think it's really cool, and I think we should. I know Ed already had um, us honor them, but I think we should just one more time honor my parents, honor Pastor Steve and Tina. And, you know, the first night... <laughs> The first night with Michaela was a good substitute, but we still felt like there's a, there's a Pastor Steve-shaped hole in camp that will only ever be shaped or shaped filled with Pastor Steve. So we missed you. <laughs> that sounded weird. Okay. Um, but, you know, this is, this is mine and Noel's 11th camp together, and which is just kind of surreal. And I think... And I don't want to toot 
my own horn, but I do think that there's, there's power in staying on a path for a long time. People will ask me, people will ask me, like, how do you guys, how do you guys do what you do, or how have you gotten things to where they are, and I think this is just the beginning, but when they ask, I just say, stay longer than everyone else, and that's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything better than anyone else. You don't have to have any of the best ideas. Uh, You don't have to be cool. You just have to do it for a long time, and when you do stuff for a long time, you prove that your skin is in the game, that you actually mean what you say, and there's power in longevity. And I, I want to challenge us, too, as we follow Jesus, there's a little bit of power in what you commit to when you leave camp. There is. But there's a lot of power when camp becomes about what you're committed to long term. We've said it before, and I'll say it again. I, I, I want, what I want to be said of camp is not look at what God did at camp, but what God began at camp. I would hope that this year's camp, we would look back and say, that's the year where some stuff changed and started for me. Where I, I didn't arrive at camp, God didn't do and finish something at camp, but God planted a seed that the Holy Spirit started to water and that I went home and kept watering and stuck with it when I didn't feel like it and kept going when my friends kind of poked fun at me for it and said, wasn't that supposed to stay at camp? And I just said, you know what, this time it's different for real. I'm going to stick with this long term. See, there's, there's a little bit of power in you saying, I'm going to change. There's a lot of power when the change is seen in your life. My hope for you, for every single one of you, whether this is your first year or this is your last year as a student, whether you are brand new in your journey or you're still not even sure how you feel about God, or you've been doing this for a long time and you consider yourself someone who has been, you've been in the game and you would consider yourself even a student leader, whoever it is, my hope for you would be not that God does something in you tonight, but God continues and births, starts, initiates something that continues from here tonight. Amen? Some of you, you feel a call to leadership. You feel a call to, to reaching your friends. saw a lot of people in the last couple days in those sessions saying, I, this is why I'm here. I feel this. And I would encourage you to let God drop something in you, but then to steward what he drops in you. Paul told Timothy to fan in the, into flame the gift of God that was in you through the laying on of hands. Raise your hand if you feel like God's put something in you. Now here's the deal. It's a spark, it's not a flame. God will not, I'm gonna make a blanket statement that I don't really, I haven't thought about, but God will not put a flame in you. He'll start one, but he won't put it in you. He'll start it with a spark. And he now gives you stewardship over the spark. You can let the spark die. You can pour water on it. 
You can let it be. You can hope that somehow magically the wind will do something. And you might even be able to put some paper in. If you're like me, you don't know how to build a fire. Very good. And so what you do is you either use gasoline. Don't do that. You'll burn your neighborhood down. I almost did. Or your house. It happened. The whole gas can caught on fire. (laughs) But it's funny. Because how fast the flame went up and then how fast it went down. Because gasoline was never meant to be the thing that sustains the fire. See, the wood is what is able to sustain the fire. You've got to have something to catch on fire. And if we're not careful, we will put paper into the spark and it will catch on fire. But as fast as it goes up, it will fade away and there will still be no flame. There will just be a spark. And I want to encourage us. Tonight, as we get into this, let's fan into flame what God has been doing. God has deposited things in you. People have prayed over you. Some people may have shared words to you. You may have felt like God spoke to you. You may have had a rebuke from a leader, and somehow it feels like God was loving you through it. Fan it into flame now. You can choose what to do with it. You can pour water on it. You can hope that somehow something else catches it. Or you can fan into flame and allow it to grow into something that is now huge where all people around you can see what God is doing in your life. How many of you want that in your life? Amen? Matthew chapter 7. I'm not going to speak for very long because we got a lot we want to do tonight. And I want to make some s'mores. And we got some good stuff that we're going to do. It's our last night of camp, which is just weird. So weird. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. Jesus says here, enter. Everyone say enter. Enter. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and a lot of people go that way. You ever notice that a lot of people go the way they ought not to go? Isn't that funny how that works? But small is the gate. And narrow the road that leads to life. But only a few find it. He goes on to say, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. It goes on to say that every tree bears good fruit and Bad trees bear bad fruit, but a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is now cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. You can tell the validity of a system or a way or an idea in the world, not by how it feels, but by what comes as a result of it. I will say it again. Thank you, Eric. You can tell the validity of a world's system 
or way of thinking, way of living, identity, ethic. You can tell the validity of it not by how it feels, not by what culture says about it, not by where the masses are going, but by the fruit that comes from it. Isn't it interesting that all of the most popular ideas are the very things that are actually bringing people a lack of fulfillment and a lack of purpose? Isn't it funny? Because it's not how it sounds, it's the fruit that comes of it. And that's how you judge a system. You don't judge a system by how it should work. You judge a system by the fruit. And if the fruit is bad, then cut it down, throw it into the fire, have nothing to do with it because it will never produce good fruit. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Proverbs says, I, I didn't even write it down. You can just write Proverbs. Read the whole book and you'll eventually find it. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Let me encourage you tonight. There's a way that seems right. But every time, the bad tree bears bad fruit. But let me actually encourage you that good trees will produce good fruit. And good fruit is fruit that remains and produces more good fruit. I want to speak tonight on this idea, false advertisement. False advertisement. If you're titling this or writing notes, you can write down false advertisement. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes and let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And uh, yeah, everyone close your eyes and let's just be present in this moment and let's, in, let's ask God. Um, Maybe you've never heard him speak. Maybe this whole week has just been, um, it hasn't worked for you. But I dare you to ask God to speak to you. <laughs> God, we thank you so much for, uh, for camp. We thank you for the memories. We thank you for the lack of sleep. We thank you for all the great things that you've done. We thank you uh, for keeping us safe. We thank you for all of that. We thank you that it all has led up to this moment where you're ready to speak ready to change us from the inside out. God, you're not going to complete it tonight. You're going to begin it, but we give you room. We give you space. Even like as Pastor Noel last night was talking, God, we create some space for you to create. God, we'll, we'll clear it. We'll let go of the things that hold us back so that you can do what only you can do. And we thank you that on the other side of that is purpose and fulfillment and joy. That's the very thing that we're looking for. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. How many of you have uh, you ever seen a, an advertisement or something that has been presented as one thing, but in reality the product is another? Uh, I, I can't underscore enough my excitement when I saw the advertisement for the first time on television for the KFC Double Down Sandwich. Now, <laughs> you ever heard of the Double Down Sandwich? They said, why have a bun when you can have two large pieces of fried chicken with bacon and cheese on the inside? So the chicken is the bun. I remember seeing this and being like, I got to go try it. This is going to be so good. It was like six bucks for the sandwich. I mean, it is a lot. I mean, the chicken 
It was good. It was big. It was like, I'm, I'm so pumped to try this thing. So I go to KFC by myself, KFC Taco Bell. And I'm thinking, this is a large item. I don't need anything else. Bought the KFC Double Down Sandwich. I'm pumped to eat it. And I pull it out of the box that it is in, and already I can tell I'm in for a real treat. <laughs> it looks a lot different than the picture. But what fast food looks the same is the picture. It's not about what it looks like. It's about how it tastes. So I'm like, I'm still excited about it. It, would, it did not dismay me a bit. And so I remember I took one bite. And I can tell you before God in heaven, I did not even swallow that bite. I put it out of my mouth. I put it down. I brought it back to them and I said, this is bad. It is not good. The chicken, the chicken, the breading was wet. The breading was wet. The, it was it was all chicken, you know, you, you got to get the proportions right, you know. It's just like crust to bread on, on a sandwich is, is how the breading is to the chicken. You got to have like 60% bread, 40% chicken. That's how fried chicken works. It's not supposed to be healthy. And it was all meat, barely any breading. The bacon was not cooked. It was the worst thing I've ever tasted. I will never, it was almost the worst thing I've ever tasted. Top 10. It was terrible. And I remember being so frustrated that there was this false advertisement. I had seen one thing, but what I actually got was another. You ever seen a false advertisement? Maybe you've been, maybe you've been wooed by what you, the anticipation or the expectation you see of people around you about something. Like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at, at Disney. You ever been on that? That ride is bogus. That ride, S-U-C-K-S, it sucks. It's terrible. I remember we were with the Dream Center a couple years ago. I think it was Madison was like, let's do Pirates of the Caribbean, guys. It's great. And I hadn't been in on it for years, and so I remembered it just like everyone else did. And it, we waited in there for 45 minutes. And if you've never been on the ride, let me spare you. The ride is two things. You watch people eating dinner on the water restaurant. And once you get past people eating dinner on the water restaurant, you get to the, the 1950s puppets that really are creepy. And then, but then, you sacrifice all this stuff, but then you get on the uphill thing and you think this is where it's about to get good. <laughs> and you get up to the top and you can... Your heart starts beating because you know now it's coming. And you get up there, and just as slow as you went up, you go back down. It is the stupidest ride ever. But you wouldn't think that by all of the people who wait in line to get in there. It's the worst ride. It's a false advertisement. But no one, no one likes getting, Tyler, you agree, and Tyler's a Disney guy. Thank you for agreeing with me. But it, I, no one likes getting sold something that is inconsistent with what is actually provided. You know what I mean? Like, you ever heard of the Fire Festival? Anyone heard of the Fire Festival? Raise your hand if you've not heard of the Fire Festival. 
Okay. <laughs> Apparently I'm just old. I'll give you a backstory. The Fire Festival was, was something actually just last year or two years ago. And it was, it was advertised as this large, uh, it, was, it was like the, the event to end all events. It was literally advertised as the, the event of the century. It was a week-long music festival on Pablo Escobar's old island. I mean, this thing, they have the whole island, and it is going to be this luxury, blissful time where the world's biggest bands play, where amazing catering happens, and where people come from around the world, they fly in, and it is all beautiful people, and you live in the blue waters of the Caribbean, and you just enjoy bliss. This is, I mean, it, it sold out so quick. This thing was, I mean, people were ready to go to this thing. I mean, every band was going to be there. But what ended up happening is people got there, they got off the plane and quickly realized that what they had been sold was different than what they were about to experience. They got off and realized that everyone was going to be staying in tents. They were given boxed lunches that were sandwiches of bread and cheese. There was no luxury catering. They didn't... <laughs> sounds like camp. Um, <laughs> um, But they didn't, they didn't know until they landed that all of the bands had backed out. There were a couple of bands that had landed. They got there and saw what was actually being provided and that it was different than what they'd been sold. So they turned right around and left before they could even do anything. People stayed there, but what ended up happening is on top of it all, there was a storm. And so people are laying and sleeping in wet tents. There weren't even enough tents for everybody to stay in. The festival organizer was nowhere to be found. I mean, this was, it was such a disaster. He's actually in jail now because there was, I mean, there was fraud and there's all this kind of stuff. It's actually legit crazy. It's a real thing, just two years ago. This guy's in jail now because the, the reason is not only was he a fraud, but what, what he had advertised was different than what was actually being provided or what would be experienced. And I, I, don't, I, I hate getting sold something that says I'm going to get this, but then when I actually experience it, it's something entirely different. You ever had that happen to you? It had been presented as one thing, but delivered another. So see, Jesus said here, he, he says all of, that he did about entering the, the narrow gate. And you, you've probably heard the phrase, if you've been around church or even outside of church, you know, it's the straight and narrow. And it's, this, it's used as this exclusive language that says the only people that get in are the ones who live right and don't fall on one side or the other. But he goes on and he says, beware of the false prophets, false prophets, by their fruit, by the product that they actually deliver on, not what they proclaim, you will recognize them. See, the pro false prophet is this, and you can write this down, anyone who parades themselves as a viable 
opportunity to enter paradise. Or you can say it this way, anyone who parades an unviable option as viable to experiencing paradise. Anyone who hides under the name of something promising what it doesn't have the authority to deliver. I'll say it again. Anyone who hides under the name of something promising what it actually does not have the authority or the the means to deliver. A false prophet is somebody who sells you something that they don't actually have. They sell you fulfillment, but the thing that they give you cannot produce it. They sell you an idea, but that idea is actually toxic, and every single time, the way that seemed right to a man has always been seeming right. Isn't it funny? It's not the way that seems wrong is wrong. It's the way that seems right in our eyes, what we can see, because we are being sold an image of something, but in reality, the image is a misrepresentation of what is actually being given. And I'm afraid that there are a lot of people who've bought into what has been sold by false prophets that have offered something and they say that if you give yourself to this thing that it will provide what you've been looking for. But every single time you come up wanting and you say, I thought it was going to be different. But the way that has always seemed right to a man has always led to death. False prophet is one whose fruit is hollow. It's one who says, here it is. Doesn't it look great? If you watch the advertisements for Fire Festival, I mean, I'm watching it and I'm like, I need to start doing CrossFit with Ed Moore because I need to be around these people and have a six-pack with them. And I'm talking right here. And I got it. It's here. Noelle's never seen it. I've been waiting for the right time to show it to her. But it's under there. I've just got a layer of protection that I have not gotten rid of, but it'll go away someday. But I'm watching these advertisements, and I mean, this thing is looking legit. But it's so funny because it paraded around this image that something was going to be, something was going to be experienced, and this thing was going to happen. It was going to be amazing And yet, what was actually delivered was something entirely different. A false prophet is one who offers what it is not able to fulfill. See, sexual promiscuity, whatever it might be, see, it offers freedom, but it delivers bondage. Substances, they offer peace in the moment, but they deliver fear and emptiness. And you think you can numb your pain, but in reality, it just covers up what's still happening underneath the surface. Did you know Advil will never, like when I take it for a headache, it doesn't take the headache away. It just takes my perception of what's happening away. It masks what's still going on in here. Money and fame offer happiness, but they deliver anxiety, school, career, whatever. Some of these things are not bad. They're good. But when we put our hope in them, when we buy into this idea 
delivers lack. It delivers, leaves you wanting. Revenge, it offers getting even, delivers a curse. Life without God offers freedom from restrictions, but it delivers chains, limitation. And it's funny because every time, every time the way that seems right to a man, in the end it still leads to death. Now, I don't want this to be heavy because in reality, Jesus offers life. I would hope that we leave here knowing that Jesus offers life. But it's exclusive. There is no other way. Now, when I grew up, I heard this through the lens of go on the straight and narrow. Jesus is the only way. If you go the other way, then this is where you end up. And I'm not saying that I disagree, but I think the language created this exclusivity in terms of the culture in the church, and it kept people out. But I've come to learn that it's quite the opposite. That Jesus is saying to the church, and what he would say to you today, is you don't have to go the other way. Like, you can go and do whatever you want. You can give your body to things, you can watch things, you can consume things, you can do whatever you want. You can search elsewhere, you can give your sexuality to the first guy who comes along, you can search for fulfillment in your plans, you can live your life impressing people, you can. You can do that. But I think what Jesus is trying to say, you don't have to. His, his invitation to the narrow gate was not to say that only some get to come in. He's just saying a lot of people buy into this lie, but you don't have to. You don't have to go that way anymore. You don't have to give yourself to the things that everybody else does. You actually can enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the road that leads to discussion, to, to de destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to life. And few find it. It's not only few are allowed in, friends. Man, it, you, you, if we believe that few are allowed in, then we would not see the thief on the cross next to Jesus saying, will you remember me? He says, I, I, man, I say to you, bro, get, like, guess what? Like, <laughs> close your eyes, count it, 30 I'm going to see you in heaven. Like, today you and I are going to be together in paradise, which tells me that it is not an exclusivity thing. It is not a you're out and I'm in thing. It is there's only one option. It's Jesus. There is no other way. But I'm here to tell you, you can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can experience whatever you want. You can give yourself to anything that you feel like. But you don't have to. Today, you can respond to God's invitation to simply enter through the one thing that will give you fulfillment. And that is Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way but simply Jesus. Wide is the gate. Wide is the road leads to destruction but narrow 
is the gate that leads to life. My message tonight is simply, you can go where everyone else goes, but you don't have to. You can do what everyone else does, but you don't have to. You can believe what everyone else believes, but you don't have to. You can subscribe to the thoughts and the patterns and the ways of thinking and the ways of living that the rest of the world does. But you don't have to. You can gossip, but you don't have to. You can do what everyone else in the crowd is doing, but you don't have to. You can't, I mean, it's, it's, uh, the thing that frustrates me as your youth pastor, I've been doing this for 11 years, and on the last night of camp, I just get to be candid. But it just frustrates me how many people get duped into thinking that by subscribing into the new way, that somehow this time it's going to be different and they will find what they've been looking for. And relationship after relationship, substance after substance, try after try, thing after thing that they go for, thinking that this is where my identity will be realized. And time and time again, the way that seems right to a man still ends in lack, still ends in unfulfillment, still ends in I thought this was the way. Noel is a peaceful driver, I'm not. I don't need to go fast, I just don't want to go slower than anyone. Stop it. No, but I don't, I don't feel the need to go fast so much as I just, I want to get there before everybody else. So don't do the math, okay? What this often looks like is when we're in traffic, I try and find another way. Now, Noel is patient, and the, the, the patient drivers irk me sometimes because they're content just sitting in the right lane. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm like, there's got to be a way that I can get through this parking lot. And even though I get stuck behind that minivan, that I will still end up on the other end of the parking lot, spit out on the road, and be two cars ahead of that white car. Like, at least I passed two cars. You know, sp small steps. That's how you grow in life, right? One step at a time. One car at a time. And it's funny because... I, I got to be honest, 99% of the time when I try and find an alternate route, I still end up back on the same road I was on, further behind than I was. I mean, I, I'm, I'm telling you, like, there have been times where, like, I'll be in Tacoma and I'll, like, I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll get off of I-5 and even though the I-5 route is faster sometimes, and so I go, I'll, I'll find this other route and... And I'll get off the exit and I'll drive through, through Federal Way and then, you know, uh, you know, that whole back way. I don't even remember. And it's all these, these different places. And, 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 and it's funny because every single time I come out on, I, on this entrance back into I-5 about a mile ahead. And it took me 45 minutes to do it. And as I look at my maps, 
Every, t- like every minute I went, it was increasing the amount of time it was going to take for me to get to where I'm trying to go. And it's funny because what we do in our lives is we dupe ourselves into thinking that for some reason, if I get off of this exit and I do this myself and I do what I know best and I do what I want to do and what feels good for me and what is, what is consistent with my disposition, that somehow this time it's going to work for me. But I'm here to tell you that there is literally no other way for you to find fulfillment, to find life, to find purpose, to find meaning, to actually be what you've been called to be except through Jesus. There is no other way. It is Jesus. It is Jesus alone. It will always be Jesus. It's always been Jesus. Tomorrow it'll be Jesus. At the end of your life it'll be Jesus. It is only Jesus that you can find fulfillment in. You can't find it anywhere else. And you can try. Go for it, but you still, at the end of the day, will find yourself lacking the very thing you've been looking for. Because at the end of the day, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it still leads to death. But there's a better way. There's Jesus' way. And in the end, though it may have been a painful journey, though it may have not always been easy, it will always lead to life and fulfillment. Purpose, meaning, destiny. How many of you want that? How many of you want the abundant life that Jesus promises? Can I tell you that Jesus is faithful to what he promises? Every time Jesus makes a promise, he actually comes through on it. He will not leave you hanging. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. So if you want to buy into something, buy into the the very thing that will deliver on what it is promised, it's Jesus. It's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I want to give us a couple thoughts about the narrow gate. The narrow gate means this. It means a a, a lack of options. A lack of options. See, God didn't take the other options away so much as he only gave you one. When we feed Hayden, um, we're still learning this, but she doesn't get to choose what she eats. We offered her what she needed, but she still wants applesauce for every meal (laughs) or a popsicle or, you know, chocolate or whatever it is, chips. I mean, the other day, Noel and I wake up to some, I mean, we were sleeping hard, and we wake up to our bed full of chips because Hayden had woken up in the morning, went downstairs, grabbed the Juanita's chips, brought it back upstairs, turned on the TV herself, and sits in our bed, and she's just crunching on chips. Six in the morning, just like, what a wake up. Just amazing. And it's, it's but it's funny because There will be times where she pushes against it. She complains. She says, no, I want this. This is what I want. This is what I need. And every single time we're saying, well, you don't get to choose. Like, this is the thing. There will be a day where she does choose. And friends, we're in the place where we get to choose. But there's one option that works. It's Jesus. I can't harp that enough. It's Jesus. It's only Jesus. When you go the way of Jesus, it's hard. It's 
not easy. You might lose friends. People might make fun of you. You might even have family members resist you. There were family members of some of you here, as well as some of the people who couldn't come here, that said, we don't want you in church. We hate this God thing, and we'll do whatever we can to stop it. But you don't follow Jesus for easy. You follow it because it's the only way that will actually give you fulfillment. I mean, I, I can look across this room and see countless stories of people who even lived 40 minutes away but somehow found life in God and would move mountains to get a ride to church on a Wednesday and even get their hours early and do all of the setup single-handedly and then somehow still have more energy than the every other person combined and then stay late, tear down, and somehow find a ride back home and do that week after week after week after week because they didn't enter the wide gate. They entered the narrow gate that even though it was more difficult than everybody else, there's something about having life that is fulfilling. There's something about finding purpose. There's something about discovering the love of God, which is better than anything that you can ever feel. And I've felt some good things in my life, friends, but there is nothing better than the presence of God where he reminds me who I am, reminds me who he is in my life, and he says, I've still got a plan for you. I love you. I've got purpose for you. I believe in you. I'm on the inside of you. I'm leading you. I'm for you, not against you. In the world can be against you, but I'm for you. This is what happens when you get in the presence of God and you understand that there's only one way to find that fulfillment. You can think of countless stories of people who for whatever reason they had discovered the goodness of God and it didn't matter what they had to do because it was worth it. Give you a couple thoughts on the narrow gate. Number one, it won't make sense to everyone because it's the opposite way of where they go. The masses go one way, but the narrow gate people, they go the narrow way. They go the hard way. They go the difficult way. They go the way that doesn't make sense to everybody else. It says, wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. Many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. Pastor Noel last night was talking and kind of shared a little bit of her story. What happened to her in those pivotal moments in middle school and before high school where something happened where God spoke to her and captured her heart and she decided in that moment, it's time for me to stop going where everybody else is going and go through the narrow gate. And if she had time, she could tell you the whole story some of the phone calls she had to make, some of the things she had to say no to, some of the friendships that she had to end. Some of you, there's some friendships that you need to end because they're hanging onto your car and your car won't fit. I mean, it's so fitting, that analogy of Hayden's backpack and all of the things she wants to carry there have been times where she's got all these things and then she doesn't want to take it off when we go to put her in the car seat. But she can't get into the car seat until she takes it off. And you won't be able to enter through the narrow gate until you shed the things that are keeping you from being able to enter it. 
Guess what? Some of your friends you won't get to take with you. You're not their savior, friend. You're not in charge of somebody else's spirituality. You know what you're in charge of? Is responding to the goodness and the grace of God for yourself and letting them see you enter the very thing that will give you fulfillment. Letting them watch from the f- afar and saying, this way's not working for me. Maybe I should try what Taylor's doing. Maybe I should try what Malachi's doing. But Because for, for some reason, he was crazy enough to keep going to church and now he ends up in L.A. at the Dream Center serving his life away. And finding the very thing that he was created to do. Maybe if I just, I'm seeing something happen over here. And I'm getting this advertisement that says, this will deliver. But for whatever reason, my soul is black, it's dark, it's broken. And I'm in pain. And I can spend every moment blaming everybody who goes through the gate. Or I can decide, you know what, I'm going to shed this stupid crap because it's never delivered on its promise. And I'll enter the very thing that will find me eternal fulfillment and purpose and life. It's the narrow gate. Some of you, I believe actually prophetically, the moment that you shed your friends that are holding you back is the moment that you will discover your purpose. we'll, We'll say this for the rest of my life. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Get some friends that are entering through the narrow gate. It's not about exclusive friends. It's about getting enough of them that create a magnetic pull that the rest of the world begins to see the purpose that you found, begins to see the joy and the fulfillment and the life that you have and say, I literally want that. That's not cliche, friends. That's what happens when a bunch of people start to discover the life that God has created them to live. Shed the stuff that's holding you back so that you can do what God's called you to do. Hebrews says... Let us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus and let, let, let's, let's, let's shed all of the, the weights and the, the things that, that prevent us from being able to run this race with perseverance. Because that's the thing, friends. It won't make sense because it's not easy. It's not easy living pure when everybody else is having sex. That's not easy. And you might be even rolling your eyes like, well, I am. Tell me how that works for you 10 years from now. I'll wait. Because there's a better way that God created. And God knew what he was doing. And you can roll your eyes until you're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, I will still wave the flag of there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it still leads to unfulfillment. But there's a way that God has created. And in the end, it still leads to life and fulfillment. It leads to it every single time. It won't make sense, friends. And people will ask you, like, why do you do this stuff? You'll say, I don't, I, I don't care if it makes sense to you because I've discovered the very thing that I can't lose. I met Jesus. He's changed my life. He's forgiven me. And that's the thing is while you've got to shed some stuff to get in, there's no ticket. There's nothing you've got to do to earn it. There's no badge that you have to wave and say, I get in, you don't. All you got to do is let go of the thing that's preventing you from getting in and walk right in. Accept the invitation of God. God's called you. Did you know that? Every single one of you. Did you know that? God has called you. You know, when scripture talks about the call of God, every single time it's an invitation. It's not a command. It's not this is what you need to do. 
It's God saying, if you'll accept my invitation, I'll bring you into the very thing that you've been looking for. Accept my invitation. You don't got to have a badge. You don't got to have it figured out. There's no way you can arrive and get to the place where you deserve to be here. That's why Jesus did what he did for you, so that you could enter free and clear and just walk right into what God has called you to do. It's not going to make sense to everybody else, though. Number two is it's, the road is long. It's going to take a while. If you've ever been to Hawaii, Maui in particular, uh, there's this place called the Road to Hana. I call it the Road to Hell. Well, it's more like the road is hell. Anyone ever done the Road to Hana? It's a waste of time. Don't do it. That's my opinion. But the interesting thing is, is on the road to Hana, it's a really, it's basically, it's this 45 mile long road, but it takes about three hours to get there. The, re, the reason it takes three hours is because the entire road is essentially on a cliff. And it's windy. It goes back and forth. It goes up and down. It goes, I mean, it is windy. And uh, you get car sick. You get stuck behind other people. But the only way to get there is through this road. And so the whole road is, is scenic. You look over the, you know, there's a couple stops. If you want to make the stop and, you know, I mean, there's literally guys, like you'll come around the corner and suddenly Maui is there and he's making, you know, barbecued pork. And you can literally stop your car, give him some money, and he's going to give you some pork and then you keep driving. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite incredible. But the whole road the whole thing about it is it, it, it's, it's slow and it takes a while. But then there's something that happens when you finally get there and you see the waterfall. And it's a hot day. And your wife chooses to sit on the side, but you get in and you jump off that cliff. I remember my friend Yara and I, Carly and Noel, sat off to the side. You know, they just did whatever because they, you know, they weren't adventurous like us. But we're like, literally, we said, there's no way we are driving for three hours to not jump off of this cliff right now. And we swam in these pools and jumped off these cliffs, and the scenery was incredible. And it got me thinking that the only way to discover the thing that is going to be the fulfillment of what you've been looking for is at times you got to slow down and you've got to take the journey as it comes. And some of us, what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to find a faster route that actually goes in the wrong direction. Sometimes you don't get to decide the pace because you're stuck behind somebody else who's driving slowly. Sometimes you're, you're stuck behind someone who doesn't know how to drive. But the only way to get there is you've got to stick to the road. Some of you, I want to encourage you those of you who have been giving your life to God and really going for it, there are times where you feel passed by by other people. Other people who it seems on the surface that they are elevating and you just feel stuck. But let me encourage you, you're on the right road. Stick to it. Because you're not in this for the short game. You're not in it for the speed. You're in it to reach the destination, the prize that God has called you to reach. And if you'll stick with it, you'll reach the fulfillment of what you've been looking for. It's not easy. I said this earlier. People ask me all the time, Taylor, how, did you, how have you guys done this? And, and again, by no means am I trying to parade anything. 
but it's interesting because I've known a lot of guys who've done one thing and then they move to another and they try and jump and climb this ladder and trying to reach this destination. And I'm like, I'm just content doing what I'm supposed to do, being faithful with what God has put before me. And if it keeps me limited on what I can do, then by all means I'll do it because I'm not in this to reach accolades. I'm not in this to get recognition. I'm not in this for opportunities. I'm in this to respond and be obedient to what God has called me to do. And as I stay consistent doing what he's called me to do, I'm going to trust that he will elevate me and put me in the places that he's called me to put me. God's going to bring me to places that I'd never imagined. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it's going to feel like. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know all that kind of stuff. I don't get to decide that. But what I know is I am going to respond to what God has called me to do and stay faithful with it, not giving up because I don't see the destination right now. The funny thing is, on the road to Hana, or if you've ever been on a hike, a windy hike, there were times on the cliff where we were going one way and suddenly we get turned around on the road and we're going backwards. And there's a point where you're going backwards or you're going downhill. And there are going to be times where you feel like you had so much momentum and then suddenly it slowed down. Suddenly something came at you. Suddenly some news happened or someone discouraged you or you lost a friend because I'm not here to say that it's easy to lose a friend because you care. And something that you didn't expect comes at you. But don't be discouraged. Because every road has its twists and turns, but it's still leading to the place that God's called you. Don't give up when you feel like the momentum has slowed. Keep doing what you've been called to do. Number three, you may have to sacrifice speed for distance. Already kind of led to that. Don't hurry. I'm going to invite the band forward. Don't hurry. Don't speed it up. How many of you are in high school or middle school? Guess what? You got a ways to go. You got plenty of time. God's not in a hurry. God's not trying to force anything. He's just inviting you to follow. And if you'll be faithful to step forward and follow what he's called you to do, Enter in through the narrow gate. Live like nobody else. Can I tell you number four? It's worth it. I'm here to tell you that God is faithful. Yeah. God is good. God won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He will never give up on you. He will always be with you. He's got great things in store for you. Some of you feel exempt from it because you feel like you've done too many things. Can I just remind you that God's plan and his purpose was put in you before you were existing. So it's going to outlast your human existence here. God actually spoke your purpose into existence from eternity. So your purpose is eternal. It's not temporary. It's not a human thing, friends. You didn't drum it up. You didn't create it. You didn't earn it. You didn't disqualify yourself from it. Your purpose, the Bible says that the giftings and the callings of God are without repentance, meaning there's nothing that you can do to disqualify yourself. And I'm not saying that there's not consequences to your actions. What I'm saying 
is if you feel up to this point, like you've done something that would say that you no longer can fulfill your purpose, can I just encourage you, that is not true. God still has a plan for your life. And if you'll just simply shed off the things that have held you down and enter through the narrow gate, you will see the fulfillment that you've been looking for. It's not easy. You will get made fun of. You will get left behind by some people. But I can't tell you how many times I've had conversation with with friends in high school. I was talking to Tyler, his his 10-year reunion's coming up. My my 20 years are just a few years away. That's weird. Graduated 16 years ago. That's, That's weird. But it's so interesting told this story, I don't, I don't remember who I was talking to it was earlier um, you never knew me in high school but I had a relatively normal high school experience but there were times where because I was a Christian I was bullied one guy uh, in particular I was never physically bullied but I was I guess you could say made fun of, poked fun of excluded joked about, laughed at because as, as little things as I would listen to the Christian punk rock and chose not to listen to some of the other music that some of the, my friends were listening to. I didn't parade it. I just, I didn't even tell people about it. I just liked MXPX a lot. None of you know who that is and it's okay. They're not relevant anymore. <laughs> they were good in the 90s, early 2000s. But I would listen to them and I'd go to church. I was consistent. I could count on two hands the amount of times I've missed church in the last 10 years. It's not because I'm better than anyone, but just it's a value to me. And it was a value to me in high school. I didn't miss Wednesdays. We scheduled vacations around leaving after a Wednesday and hopefully getting back Tuesday so that we wouldn't miss any more than we needed to. It's just my reality. And I won't ever fault anyone for missing a Wednesday, perfect, you know, whatever. I don't keep your attendance. But I remember this one particular guy in my band class just make fun of me, jabs, try and get me to slip up, try and get me to swear or whatever. Little stuff. Make fun of me on the bus. All that kind of stuff, but it didn't deter me because I'm not in what I'm in for the approval of people. I'm in it because God has called me. And it's funny, though, because that very person who would then go on to find themselves in drug addiction, find themselves expelled from school, find themselves in a dark place where later... He would have a daughter, a young daughter, who was born into a heroin-addicted mom and dad. They would find themselves pregnant yet again. There was one day where he's on his job, he's making money, but he's lost. 
And his boss, for some reason, has an intervention with him and says, you're either, I'm either going to turn you in, I'm going to sell you out, or I'm going to drive you right now from work to a rehab center. You don't get to tell anyone where you're going, which one do you want? Goes to the rehab center. Long story short, some people enter his life. They introduce him to Jesus. He finds Jesus. He gives his life to Jesus. God restores his life, restores his marriage, restores his family. Him and his wife are now pastors at our church on our pastoral care team. He's been sober for nine years. I had this weird moment last week at church where I'm standing on the front row worshiping and I look over and I see him and his wife on their knees with their hands lifted. The person who made fun of me in high school. God captured his life and the very thing that has brought him to the place he is today was the narrow gate where he said there's only one way. Friends, it's not drugs. It's not anything you can be addicted to. It's no substance. It's no relationship. It's not sex. It's not your identity. It is simply Jesus and it is only him. And friends, I'm here to invite you to enter through the narrow gate. There's only one way. And I'll tell you, you can do whatever you want, but you don't have to. You do not have to go the way that the world goes. You know, Romans 8, 12 says that they, you no longer have any obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature tells you to do. You've got something in here that wants you to go where everybody else is going because in the moment you'll feel approval. And there will be times where it's easier, but that way always leads to death. And if I'm being honest, I'm sick and tired of seeing people dying. I'm sick and tired of people living in hell. I'm sick and tired of seeing people who are called by God, who have purpose on their lives, surrender themselves to a way that never leads them where they want to go. And I'll wave the flag till I'm blue in the face. I don't care if I'm irrelevant. I don't care if people say, well, you're just exclusive or whatever. Friends, the only way that you will ever find what you're looking for is Jesus. It is, in, it is not in Allah. It is not in another religion. It is not in you finding your identity and your sexuality in how the world says it's supposed to be. Friends, can I tell you, there is only one way. It is the way of Jesus Christ. That at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no other way. You can go the other way, but I will tell you, it leads to a dead end. And the only way for you to find fulfillment is through the little, narrow gate. Is anybody tonight ready to enter through the narrow gate? Are you ready to enter through the narrow gate?